please bow your heads. Almighty God, prepare our hearts and minds to receive your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may obey your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament reading today is in Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 through 33, and you can find it on page 16 in your pew Bible. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within this city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. We talked about it at the staff uh, meeting that we really probably shouldn't preach from here. But I'm, when I heard that, I'm figuring that meant Orlando shouldn't preach from here. I'm figuring I got a little more height than Martin can see me. So I think we're okay from me. To, all right, I think we're good. I think we're going to do it. All right, well, let me read a couple of New Testament passages. The first one's going to be uh, John chapter 14. Uh, I'm going to read 1 through 7. Hear God's word. 
Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may, all, you may be also. As you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, do we know the way where you're going? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And also at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these words, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Amen. May we pray. Lord, we thank you again for your presence here. We thank you for the truth of your word. That's a light into our path, a guide for our daily lives. Lord, we thank you for your grace extended to each one of us in Jesus Christ. We ask that your Holy Spirit might have a sure word for us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. I hope a lot of y'all got a little yellow sheet in the pew. If you didn't, I have some at the back I might give you later kind of an outline of today's talk. And our first point of the three is this. Tolerance changes to new tolerance. Tolerance, that term, is a change into a different term, and I'm going to call that the new tolerance. A few years ago in 1999, we're all familiar with Columbine, where 13 uh, students were killed. And they decided to create a display of remembrance. And uh, one of the families of Daniel Dahlbaum, he was a a young man who was killed there. His family wanted, as part of this uh, display that Columbine High School was going to put out, a display of remembrance, they wanted to put something about their faith and who they were and what gave them hope. The school of Columbine said no to that. They thought that would upset some people, and they said no. The Dahlbaum family uh, sued and then began a four-year legal deal that eventually the Supreme Court said they weren't going to hear it, so went back to the lower court. The lower court agreed with Columbine High School that this family's desire to express their faith and who they were, um, they, by their view of tolerance, they, they believed that the uh, Dalbong family was intolerant. What they said was an intolerant statement about their faith, and they said they could not be part of the remembrance. Now, this word tolerance historically has meant something, uh, but the word has kind of changed in time. This is a key issue for here today that I want to chat about. This, the, nef- the name tolerance has changed in its usage. And that goes on with a lot of other words have that kind of same thing as well. You know, the Apostle Paul... Was uh, it says when he went to Lystra and went to certain kind of places, it says that they didn't like what he said and they 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 disli- and they, they they stoned him with with rocks and things, and he was taken out of the city. It happened more than once it, that Paul was stoned in that way. Now, if the apostle Paul went through Colorado and they said he was stoned, that would mean something different today, right? They, he was stoned, but uh, that didn't wasn't the same kind of deal. Um, that word has changed. That word stone has changed. Um, when I was younger, uh, if, uh, if, a, if a mouse appeared in the room, we'd all be running somewhere else, right? Now a mouse helps you find things. And I don't get that, but the word mouse has, has been changed. Now, a few years back, I told you I was going to go to a haircut. I was going to get a buzz. I said, yeah, I'm going to get a haircut. I'm going to get a buzz. Now, if I told you today, hey, I'm, I'm going to get buzzed. You all probably wouldn't like that. I mean, you probably, hey, what's wrong with the preacher? He's going to get buzzed. I mean, it would be a good thing. 
Now, talk about the word good. Now, that's probably the most crazy word that, that the word has changed. Now, back when I worked with high school kids, they, something was good, they said, oh, man, that's bad. Okay, that meant good. And now I found out this week that some of the kids, I guess, today use the word if, if they were, I mean, that's sick. That means good. Well, sick, good, bad, good. Pretty soon they're going to say raunchy, and that's going to be good. They're going to say terrible. That's going to mean good. I don't know. The word good has just been destroyed. But anyway, the... Um, the words change meaning. And the word tolerance, I would say, is one of those words that has morphed into something different than what historically it, it means. So I, today I'm going to talk about the, the historic word tolerance, but the new tolerance, okay? Those are, those are the key words. Same word, different meaning behind that. And let's talk about that. Now, D.A. Carson, in his book, The Intolerance of Tolerance, which is kind of the sermon title here today, The Intolerance of Tolerance, says this about this morphing of the word tolerance. This shift from accepting the existence of different views to the acceptance of different views, from recognizing other people's right to have different beliefs or practices, to accepting the differing views of other people is subtle in form, but massive in substance. To accept that a different or opposing position exists and deserves the right to exist is one thing. To accept the position itself means that one is no longer opposing it. The new tolerance suggests that actually accepting another's position means believing that that position is true or at least as true as your own. Okay? Now let's discuss that again just a little bit. Historically, the word tolerance meant this, that you can have a different view, a different opinion, a different idea, and I'm going to respect you. I'm going to agree, may to disagree, but we can come before the, um, in a public forum, in any kind of setting or in private, we can discuss something and we can do that civilly. I may disagree with you, but we'll talk and engage one another. That's the old historic view of tolerance. The new tolerance is something much different than that. Now, I, when I see this sign on a bumper, on a bumper sticker, coexist is that sign. When I see that sign on the back of a car, to me that says something totally different. That means my truth may be different than your truth. My understanding of reality may be different than your understanding of reality, and we just have to accept where each other is coming from. I can't judge you. You don't judge me. We have to be tolerant of one another's opinion. We're not going to look at the facts of the situation. We're not going to look at the truth claims of, of one of these religions in this context, the word tolerance. We just have to accept whatever you come up with. Now, an example of this, uh, what I can say, kind of word, the word tolerant is changing in meaning, and what do they mean when they say tolerance? It's a, it's, a two, it's a different concept. This is the Globe News from about a few weeks back, and I told Les I was going to use this today, and uh, no rap on the Globe News, and, 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 but I, this is an example. What do they mean by tolerance? Do they have an historic definition of tolerance, what it's always been, or is this a new definition of tolerance? And this is the Catholic uh, Bishop of Chicago. Um, he said this. He said, in response to hatred, we are called to sow love. In response to violence, peace. And in response to intolerance, tolerance. Okay? So when he says, in response to intolerance, tolerance, does he mean 
Every different view is accepted, whatever you, you, or does he mean we need to come to the table, be civil, be um, respectful, be honoring to each other, uh, and listen. Is that what he means by tolerance? Or does he mean the new definition of tolerance? How does this new understanding of tolerance play out in Western culture? Let me tell you the story about Hastings College of Law. Hastings College of Law. Now, Hastings College of Law is a school in California. And they had a Christian legal society. was a, was a recognized organization on campus of this law school. But the law school saw that the uh, Christian legal society had some uh, qualifications to be a leader in that organization. Not to be a member. To be a member, anybody could be a member. But to be a leader in that organization, there were certain qualifications for leadership. The school of law at Hastings, viewing tolerance, meaning we accept whoever and whatever goes on, and that's, we need to be tolerant of one another, unless it's destructive or hurtful. We need to be tolerant. They saw the Christian legal society as being intolerant on their qualifications as a leader. Their view of tolerance did not include the Christian legal society's qualifications for their leadership. So um, the the Hastings Legal Society sued to be able to name their own leaders. They went to court. Went to court for multiple years. Eventually, the Supreme Court ruled five to four in favor of Hastings College against the Christian Legal Society that they were intolerant to accepting who they wanted as leaders. For the first time in history, this is what D.A. Carson says, for the first time in history, tolerance is today rarely perceived to be something that has to be worked out for the good of society within the matrix of a widely adopted system of truth and morals. It is now perceived to be independent virtue, perhaps the highest virtue. So everything in our culture today is evaluated primarily, is it tolerant? We don't discuss that with a sense of right and wrong, uh, a sense of a given on those, ta- uh, those categories, simply by view of is it tolerant or not. So at that point, if something is viewed as intolerant, you don't even discuss the, 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 the benefits of it. It is simply written off. That is intolerant. We will not engage that issue or that group. Another example of this was a few years back in 2006, a group of 25,000 Christians uh, went to San Francisco. San Francisco is known as a place of a lot of tolerance. The assembly there, seeing what this group of Christians were about, uh, the assembly of San Francisco, the assemblymen wrote a number of things against this group coming to their city. In fact, one of the assemblymen said this, speaking of tolerance, doesn't sound very tolerant. He said this, this group of people, they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're disgusting, and they should get out of San Francisco. Well, even the San Francisco Chronicle said, you know, that sounds amazingly intolerant what the assembly were doing. So often what happens, speaking of tolerance, they are intolerant in a lot of areas, in a lot of situations. D.A. Carson one more time says this, in other words, the primary moral line drawn through Western culture declares that those who are tolerant just about anything are good, and those who are not are bad and therefore should not be tolerated. Okay, you get it. You get it. Tolerance in our culture today. All right, how should a Christian respond? 
how should a Christian respond to this basically intolerance of a Christian perspective? How should a Christian respond? First, I say this. Second is revealed truth. This is in your outline. The second point of my message today is revealed truth. There is no compromise. To revealed truth, there is no compromise. Now, we are people of the book. We are people of the book. We believe that God has spoken through Scripture. Now, I understand Scripture needs to be um, understood. There's a fancy term, and, and it's called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics means biblical interpretation. We need to, we need to understand the certain uh, scripture, the different kind of literature used in, the, in those writings. We need to understand who they were being, who the letters and the things were being written to, the recipients. We need to understand the cultural context of which scripture is written. I understand that. We need to maybe study the original languages and what was meant by that. We shouldn't take Bible verses out of context and use those to beat up people. We need to interpret the scripture in the context of what the verses are found. I get that. But we are people of the book believing that truth has been revealed to us in God's word. You see, things in the world today of tolerance, um, any truth claim is quickly branded as intolerant. Where tolerance, you see, is the cardinal virtue. One may be happy to talk about where where this tolerance is the cardinal virtue. You may be happy to talk about your truth or my truth, but very little talk about the truth. It's not part of the conversation. That's intolerant. Jesus, though, claimed to be what? The truth. In John 14, 6, he said this, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus claimed to be the way to the Father. The world um, would say, you know, there are many roads. uh, They all lead to the same destination. I think Jesus doesn't sound very tolerant. In contrast, as well about this many different roads and ways to heaven, Jesus said in Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter in through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You see, Jesus doesn't see many roads leading to the same destination. He sees two roads leading to two different destinations. The broad road leads to destruction. The narrow road leads to him. Jesus, you see, was the most inclusive person that ever lived. He went way beyond tolerant, way beyond tolerant, to love. He loved all people. He loved his enemies. He loved the Pharisees. He loved the prostitutes. Uh, he invited them to eat with him, to dine with him. Jesus was very inclusive, goes way beyond tolerance, however you describe it. But Jesus also might be described as the most exclusive person because of the claims he made for himself. He claimed to be the way to the Father. He's the narrow road, not all roads leading to the same destruction. One way is what he claimed. A study of world religions and philosophies quickly show you that um, all religions and cults are basically kind of a works righteousness. It's what you do in this world affects where you go to the next, if you believe there is a place to go. It's do, do, do. You do this, you do that, you earn your way, you merit uh, eternal life. Christianity is, is totally opposite of that. It's not a do, 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 it's done. It's what Christ has done for you. Would God in his knowledge show half the world it's all about works and the other half it's about grace? I don't think so. 
I think it's all about what Christ has done for me. You see, we're not saved by our works. We're saved for good works. Now, when Jesus comes, he calls us to be on a narrow road. When Jesus comes, he didn't come just to make us happy and handsome and healthy and a high roller. He came to make us holy. He came to make us like him. He loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. You see, Jesus doesn't just tolerate you. He wants to transform you to become more and more like himself. Now, this transformation that he uh, desires to do in our life, some of this is very painful. Uh, Our natural flesh, the things that we want, somehow God puts those under a microscope and calls us to transform to become more like Jesus. For all of us, no matter who we are, there are things in our life we have to let go of, things that we want that aren't best for us. It doesn't honor him. So that, that, that expression that God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable, there's a lot of truth to that. Because in that conforming us to Jesus, there is transformation that needs to happen. Truth is a person. That person is Jesus. So believe the truth that it can be known. And by, by God's grace, that truth can be lived in daily. Okay, finally, the last little the third point here today. You see that in your little outline is this. Going forward, going forward, what are some perspectives? What are some perspectives that we can take with us going forward? The first one is this. Is this. I think we need to speak for the historic understanding of tolerance. To speak for the historic understanding of tolerance. Now, where we are, we need to be civil. We need to be courteous. We need to be respectful. We need to be honoring of people whom, with whom we disagree. We may not change the intolerance of those who claim tolerance, but we can gently point them to the narrowness, narrowness of their perspective. Paul Tournier said this, former Swiss psychologist, the more confident people are of the truth, the more grace they exhibit to those they disagree. Tolerance, the old definition of tolerance, where we interact with each other, is the natural endowment of true convictions. Let me say that one again. The more confident people are of the truth, see that in Jesus, the more grace they will exhibit to those with whom they disagree. Tolerance, historic tolerance, is the natural endowment of true convictions. How good is that? All right, take that. Stand for the historic tolerance. Okay, second is this. Focus on evangelism. Focus on evangelism. Kim Talley told me a great story uh, this last week, and I love it. All right, now, Young Life is a parachurch organization that works with high school kids, mainly junior high as well, and they attempt to reach kids for Christ and disciple them to, to love Jesus. That's Young Life. And there was a, there's a Young Life camp. Young Life does a, does a great job on camps. They, they took a bunch of church people to one of their camps and just showed them the, showed them the church, showed them the camp. And, man, they were, they were wowed by the food and the, and the program and the facilities were a knockout. And they were just so impressed with what they saw. But on the way out, they saw a smoker's pit where kids were smoking cigarettes and they around this pit. And so that night, they stopped Bob Mitchell, and they, they had this meeting, and they said, Bob, Bob, we love everything we saw, but, but what's the deal with that smoker's pit? Christians shouldn't be, there shouldn't be kids around smoking that. You're letting kids smoke? And Bob Mitchell said this very insightful. He said this, we're here to save hearts 
We're not here to save lungs. That's good. We're here to save hearts. We're not here to save lungs. Get your priorities right. Share Jesus with people. Point them towards the cross and who Christ is. Don't battle this stuff. God will take care of that in time. If they, follow, they decide to follow Jesus, he'll deal with that stuff. We're here to save hearts. We're not here to save lungs. How insightful. Share Christ. Don't, you can't argue anybody into the kingdom, but always be ready to give a hope for the answer that lies within you. Point people towards the cross of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who opens hearts and minds to the truths of the gospel. Historic tolerance means you share what you believe in love. Third thing I think we should take with us in this issue of tolerance is this. And this might be a surprise to you. Be willing to suffer. Be willing to suffer. If you hold to historic tolerance, if you hold to the truths of the gospel, this will happen to you. If intolerant people in the name of tolerance call us as followers of Christ hateful, judgmental, narrow, unloving, intolerant, then thank the Lord that you've been worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And you'll be united in a small way to our brothers and sisters all over the world. You'll be seeing the news all the time who suffer a lot more for naming the name of Jesus. Be willing to suffer. Finally, the last little takeaway to me is this. Trust and delight in a God who is sovereign, he is wise, and he is good. He knows your deepest needs, and you are forgiven, and you are loved. While you were intolerant, rebellious, sinful, far away from God, Christ died for you. Jesus went way beyond tolerance. However you define tolerance, the historic definition or the current definition, Jesus went way beyond tolerance. He went to a cross with you in mind. So as recipients, that Paul Turnier said, as recipients of that grace and love in Christ, uh, we are on solid ground to love those folks with whom we may disagree. Always point them to Jesus. May we pray. Lord, we thank you for your amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Lord, we are in a culture that uh, has changed definitions of things. And a lot of times uh, they don't give a, a Christ father a place at the, at the table to discuss. Uh, we are cast aside. But Lord, we serve a big God. And Lord, you're doing amazing things. And Lord, thank you that we can participate in kingdom work pointing people towards the cross, uh, standing for the truth, uh, standing for you, uh, and loving them. Lord, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, Lord, tell us a little bit about um, Hungary and uh, her trip there. Lori, okay.